Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Happy overreaction week, and guess what? It's playing out in Bears-Broncos. It was a pick before last Thursday. Then the Bears failed to get into the end zone. Denver became a one-point favorite. Then Monday happened. Broncos looked terrible, losing at Oakland. And then the Bears moved to two-and-a-half-point favorites, a three-and-a-half-point swing based off 60 minutes of football for each team. Both teams look bad, but it swings in the Bears' favor. I'm looking at the under 40.5. The total is the only thing that interests me at the moment, under 40.5. I wrote about the different ways to bet this game over on 670thescore.com. You can check out that column every single week. Let's get to our best bets. Ken Barkley wrote a college football season preview. He's also one of my teammates on You Better You Bet, Monday through Fridays, 5 to 9 p.m. on Radio.com Sports. You can listen via the Radio.com app or later on on podcasts. And we never get to do any shows together, Ken, so I had to invite you on to Early Odds so the people can hear you. Last time I was on, I was uh, stuck doing a show with Eli. How you doing, man? I'm doing, I'm doing great, Joe. It's good to be on. How are you? I just want to roll through all of these games. Uh, we're going to start off with our favorite plays for the NFL this weekend, and then I want to clear out some space and let you just go on college football because it's one of those weeks where we're not talking as much about college football, even though we know we'll be sitting there watching all day on Saturday because you don't have those marquee matchups with ranked teams facing each other. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, I know a lot of people are going to look and say, you know, no ranked versus ranked game. But I'll just tell you, like, the last time we had a situation like this a couple of years ago, and there were crazy upsets everywhere. That's actually when Clemson lost to Syracuse, when it was really unexpected. Ranked teams started dropping like flies. So it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But if you're looking at the slate, it's possible that we have some of that stuff going on again this week. And someone like you looking for value with the some of these very large point spreads. Uh, so we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Now let's start with the NFL. At first blush, this kind 
kind of looked like a boring game, the, the one I'm going with first here. San Francisco at Cincinnati, and the favorite has actually flipped in this one, and for pretty good reason, because the word was out after last week. Now, San Francisco got out of Tampa Bay with the victory. They're starting the season with back-to-back road games. But Jimmy Garoppolo, one of the storylines in the preseason was how awful he looked. And then you always have people say, well, it's a preseason. It doesn't really matter. I wouldn't worry too much about it. And then it happened again in Tampa Bay during that turnover fest. And then Cincinnati really shocked people. At least I was surprised, Ken, because they hung with Seattle throughout that entire contest. And I was impressed with what I saw out of brand-new head coach Zach Taylor letting John Ross loose. He had 12 targets, 158 yards in that one. And to go to Seattle, one of the toughest road destinations in the NFL, that's going to impress me. And I mentioned that the favorite flipped, but not too much. We're not talking about Cincinnati as a home favorite laying a field goal. It is sitting at minus two, and I like the Cincy side. Oh, that's really interesting. I, so you're, you're already one game into the Zach Taylor era. You're already buying in. You're already buying into Andy Dalton and the new offense. I make this game, let's see, I make this game Niners by a half point. So I actually have like a pretty reasonable amount of value on San Francisco for an NFL side. But I see the argument. It's possible I still haven't adjusted Cincinnati correctly. Maybe it turns out they are actually pretty good. Maybe they're like a 7-9 and nine team, 8-8 eight and eight team that's going to upset some folks. So I can't really argue with you on that one. That's the thing that we have to figure out here on week two of the NFL season because it's overreaction week and you want to pick those spots. Like, okay, everybody's overreacting to this. You want to fade that. Your opinion shouldn't completely change based off one game but sometimes you do need to react a little bit to what you see and and I was not impressed with Garoppolo again coming off the ACL what do you like in the NFL the game I'm going to go to is a game where I see steam coming in and it's one of those cases where I know what the steam is a result of but I still want to play against it anyway Uh, I'm going to take Jacksonville so this game Houston basically has been steamed up a little bit I see nine and a half across the board basically for Houston I just think that's too many I make this game a flat seven Uh, I did not make an adjustment from Nick Foles to Gardner Minshew and maybe I'm the idiot that's totally possible you know all we have to go on with Minshew is basically you know two and a half quarters of football three quarters of football against the Chiefs admittedly not a great defense and the Jags were also at home so maybe an ideal situation for Minshew to look better than his average performance is going to be but you know New Orleans was really able to kind of tear up Houston secondary in the second half they ended up cutting their slot corner who made a mistake in the game which is kind of a really reactionary thing to do Houston on a short week giving a ton of points in a division game just doesn't strike me as kind of the right thing here I think even a touchdown might be a little bit too much but I'm inclined to go that way Uh, I'll take the Jags plus nine and a half. I just think it's a little too big. And I do like Gardner Minshew a little bit. So I know you'd take a deep dive into the numbers, Ken. As you mentioned, you have a short week and it, it was that big Monday night game. They almost pulled off the upset at the Superdome. Are you able to factor in something like a letdown a- after a big season opener? Do you work that into the numbers or is that something you, you don't feel you can quantify? Uh, So I think some of these things can be quantified, but probably way fewer of them than people think. The situations tend to be so specific, right? So you can't just say something like, all right, like every team that played Monday that plays Sunday, like that's worth 1.2 points or something like that. Like there's just, there's so much differences involved, how much the travel is, all that kind of stuff. So I try to take each game specifically and I, you know, I'll, I'll never bet a game 
just based on like, if you want to call that an angle or a trend or whatever, short rest or, you know, all these kind of popular things, look ahead games, whatever, all those terms people throw out. <laughs> I'll never bet a game based on that. Like I have to have some kind of numerical edge. Then if, if I have some of those other things in my favor, like great, you know, those are always nice kind of like just little, you know, add-ons to have on the end of it, but it always has to be rooted in some kind of numerical advantage. And, you know, like this game specifically, the market is possibly moving because Foles to Minshew might be worth something. I'm not sure it's actually worth anything. And, you know, I'll kind of take my stand with that in mind. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up about the change at quarterback. Is it really worth this much of a move? Because I did not plan on betting Monday night football, but that's where I'm going to be, betting Monday night <laughs> football against the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. This thing moved three and a half, four points after Adam Gase reluctantly steps to the podium and is telling the world that Sam Darnold is out because he has mono. Cleveland extremely overvalued, just like it happened all offseason and it happened in week one against the Titans. The country seems to be betting on a bounce back spot for the Browns. Okay. I could see it if you're a Browns backer, but what about a bounce back spot for the Jets? Is Sam Darnold compared to Trevor Simeon really worth four? And who knows how high this thing gets? I see a line at six and a half at the moment, Ken, and we know it's probably going to end up getting to seven. Home dog, the Jets getting seven. I'm going to be on it. I did not plan on that being the case, but that's where I'm going to be on Monday. I can't blame you. So I, you know, I kind of, wrote down a few games that I could potentially talk about that I saw some value in. And uh, you preempted me on that one. That was going to be one that if, if you didn't hit it, I was going to hit it. And, you know, for some of the same stuff that you're saying, I think there is somewhat of a drop-off from Sam Darnold to Trevor Simeon. I don't think that's really like an arguable proposition necessarily, mm-hmm. but the, the extent of how much of a drop-off, like you could really make a compelling case to me that it's like a half point or a point, And it's nothing more than that. Like, I'm not sure Sam Darnold is really anything yet as a, like a positive quantity or or like, you know, something that can affect the game above a replacement level quarterback more than Trevor Simeon can. And, you know, I know there's all kinds of angles in this game that maybe, you, again, you can't really quantify, like Greg Williams has faced this team before. He would know how to game plan for them, stuff like that. Those things are all fun and they're, you know, they're great narratives or whatever. But I will say that basically my largest play, my biggest discrepancy in week one, I think I got Cleveland dead right this year. I really do. Uh, I had Tennessee as like a monster advantage in that game when it went to Cleveland by six. I had that game Cleveland by a point and a half I think I completely nailed it I think I have Cleveland is a rating I feel very confident in I was down on them compared to a lot of people I have them as about a a 7.7 win team coming into the year which is lower than their market win total lower than what a lot of sort of the hype was about and I'm inclined to not adjust the rating whatsoever right now I know Baker Mayfield has like a tiny injury probably nothing so you know when I look at this game if I'm not making an adjustment from Darnold to Simeon, or I'm making a small adjustment from Darnold to Simeon, I come out of this like basically with like a pick, maybe Browns minus one, something like that. And I think what happens is people see teams that are 0-1. We all know the stats on like 0-2 teams are very unlikely to make the playoffs. 0-2 teams are very unlikely to win the Super Bowl, things like that. And they they look at a team like Cleveland and they say, oh, well, they're not going to be 0-2 then. Like, there's no way. Like, this team's going to make the playoffs or, you know, I believe in this team, whatever it is. And that's just not how these single game situations go. Like, to a certain extent, with the luck of the draw, the way this is played out, like, yeah, they could be 0-2. Like, it's not just something where they just, a team can't possibly be 0-2. Like, you get yourself into a lot of trouble when you think like that so just 
looking at the market, the reaction to Darnold being out, I mean, I don't think the Jets are particularly awesome or anything. And I know Le'Veon Bell also might not play. So, you know, I'm definitely waiting on this. Like, this is a Monday at 8.24 p.m. Eastern time <laughs> play. Like, especially if Bell's playing and I can get a flat seven, amazing. You know, if Bell's not playing and it's seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, I think I have to bet that anyway, to be perfectly honest. This just seems like, like a perfect, not even fade the public, but just fade all of the attention that Cleveland has gotten coming into the year and how that affects their rating. The great Kenny White, longtime bookmaker in Vegas. He's a weekly guest on You Better You Bet. He put it out there that he thinks the difference from Darnold to Simeon is just a point, and then the market ended up moving four, and who knows, it, it could end up moving more. So you could be dead on there. Would you have this one as one of your top two or three bets of the NFL card? I would say, like, Houston would be number one for me. Just, I, you know, I kind of like everything I have going into that, you know, numerically and, and angles and stuff like that. The other game that stands out aside from the Jets, uh, which sort of happened organically, like I didn't even love the Jets that much, and now I really like them. Yeah, I mean, that's um, where I'm yeah, at. The other, yeah, I, mean, I actually had a friend text me that basically like specializes in taking sort of not fade public spots, but more like that kind of that line value combined with when the line value is driven by like really dumb opinion, basically. And he texted me immediately and he was like, Jets Monday, like 1 million percent, especially if Bell plays. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm inclined to go that way. The, the other game that stands out to me, and I'm going to be on the limb here, and this is one of those games where I might look like a complete idiot. It is completely possible that I am an idiot. And I look at the Giants, and this is a number that opened with the Giants favored by a couple. It was immediately steamed to Buffalo minus one and a half everywhere. And to me, that is a reaction to each team's week one, specifically Buffalo's week one box score against the Jets, which made them look like complete world beaters, despite the fact that they only won, you know, marginally by a point or two. They, you know, were able to suffer through like four turnovers, safety, interception return for a touchdown. They basically doubled the Jets in yards per play. The defense was phenomenal. There were lots of sneaky, great things about Buffalo in that game. But the thing was, they actually weren't so sneaky because when the number came out, Buffalo immediately took a ton of money, which tells you, you know, people saw the same things. To me, this number is it opened around the right spot, but it has moved way too far. I have the Giants rated slightly better than Buffalo still. I didn't make a huge adjustment after week one. If you look at the Giants-Cowboys game, which was one of the marquee games of Sunday, a lot of people want to point out, like, yeah, the Giants, the Giants gave up eight yards per play. Dak Prescott completely shredded them. Like, that is 100% true, and we don't know whether that's going to be fixed. But the Giants offensively, I thought were much better than people had expected. Their yards per play was also excellent. Explosive plays in the running game, which we wish we would have seen more Saquon in the second half probably. If you just take the turnover margin, and even that out the Giants were minus two the Giants were also two for four in the red zone converting touchdowns there were points left on the board in a lot of places if you just kind of like swing a couple plays in that game one way or the other especially with the Giants on offense I think you get a closer outcome and therefore you would not get this spread popping Giants as a dog at home I think is an overreaction so I'm going to take the Giants you've got Joe Ostrowski and Ken Barkley on early odds sports radio 670 the score on the NFL side Ken likes the Giants getting a point and a half, or at least as a dog at home, and the Jaguars getting nine and a half. Both of us on the Jets. We think that will be probably a touchdown on Monday, and I like the Bengals 
as now two-point favorites. I can't believe I'm saying that in week two, and maybe maybe I should be checking myself <laughs> Hashtag there. Overreaction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly I, so. I guess I'm falling into it, but I'm not saying New England, Ken. I'm not going that far. I'm not saying Baltimore, yep. which is uh, the extreme overreaction that I would not jump on this week. Ken, your expertise is college. You wrote a terrific college football season preview going into the year, so I just want to give you a clean slate. Give us some winners, man. Right, it's easy. <laughs> so I'll I'll try to I'll try to stick to some games that people will actually maybe be able to stomach putting on the television. So you know, power conference team, power conference team, something like that. Just because I happen to have some value in those markets this week, which I don't always have. So we can we can go through some of those. The place I'll start is Cyhawk. So that's where game day is. They're in Ames, Iowa, which should be really fun. That's actually one of the very few campuses that game day has never been to. I believe there were 11 coming into this week, power conference venues that they never been to. And now it'll be 10 or something, but should be like a crazy atmosphere. Should be a lot of fun. I think this is a classic situation where Iowa State did not perform well against an FCS team. And everyone knows that. And Iowa performed pretty well against really bad competition. And as such, there has been a line adjustment. So Iowa State was a small favorite when it opened. The line immediately flipped to Iowa minus two and a half. I think that's actually like a pretty critical mistake. So I actually have this game lined Iowa State minus four. Um, I give Iowa State like a pretty significant home field advantage in this game for a rivalry game. I think the place is going to be absolutely nutso. I also had Iowa State rated very, very, very slightly worse coming into the year. So even if you're just playing home field with two evenly matched teams, I think you're really off here i did not make a significant adjustment to iowa state off of their week one game where they went triple overtime and ended up kind of pulling it out and there were some weird box score things in that game where iowa state actually played a little bit better than you would think had a defensive touchdown go against them had some other things where really obviously if you watch the game you would hate iowa state but you know the more you kind of look at statistically like there were some things about Iowa State that really weren't that bad in that game, and I think they're being docked pretty significantly for what they did. Meanwhile, Iowa plays Rutgers last week, wins by a billion. Is that worth anything at all? So you mm-hmm. have you know, a team that didn't cover by 20 facing a team that looked really, really good in shutting out a conference team. Granted, it was Rutgers. I think there's a little bit of over-adjustment here. So the first thing I'll give out, and I'll let you react, is I really like Iowa State now getting two and a half points in the Seahawks game. You are talking to someone that, bought a ticket on Iowa State winning the Big 12 and is a big fan of Brock Purdy. So I am 100% with you here. You're the numbers guy. Are you willing to say, because I didn't hear you say it, are you willing to say last week was a look ahead for Iowa State? I definitely do not believe in the concept of the look ahead. So there's talking about college football is like one of the most fun things for people to do. I think fans of the sport love to consume content where people are just joking around about games, talking about angles and trends and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And the easiest to digest themes for people, I think, are like the sandwich game, the revenge game, the look ahead game. Like these are very easy concepts for the average person to grasp, which is why you hear them so much on media, right? It's like, oh, of course, like they lost to this team last time, which means they'll be extra motivated this time, or they have a big game next week and this is not a big game. Like these are such simple concepts that I think that's what makes them so appealing and that's what makes them sort of stand the test of time as things that people like to talk about. The problem is, is that whenever you end up running numbers on this, Yes. Now, granted, like there's there's no universal way to run revenge because people can disagree about what that means. There's you know, no universal way to run a look ahead spot. You know, granted, those things are true, but for every look ahead spot that you can point to and be like, oh, I nailed that look ahead spot. Like there are 20 other games that presented the exact same variables that did not go your way. I think of it like when you're at the craps table and you know when you raise your left foot, you end up starting to hit points. So every time you roll the dice, like 
you actually like, like, I raise my left foot like that must be what's doing it. And it's, you don't think about like the million other times you did something superstitious and you sevened out and everybody lost all their money. So it's sort of like, you know, wishful thinking that we, we wish we could identify things like this. So that's sort of my long way of saying, like, no, I did not factor any of that into this game. And it, it reminds me of trends and something that we've been dealing with locally as we get set for Bears Broncos with the long layoff. So we've been talking about this for way too long. Never mind the narrative about Vic Fangio now going over to Denver, but you also have, well, here's Denver at mile high, what they've done in September. They've won 13 straight home games. Look over the course of the last 35 years. Look at it since the merger, how much they dominate in weeks one and two at home. You can also search trends, say, if you like the Bears side, well, hey, look, I just found this trend. Uh, week two road teams that lost straight up as a home favorite in week one, they're hitting at a clip of 70%. That's the trap that people fall into. They pick a side and they're like, okay, give me a trend, give me an angle that will fit my argument. That's the side that people are not aware of what is going on out there. Yeah, absolutely. And what you have to remember, and this this will sound a little ironic because we're doing this on a sports betting radio show, but there is like an entire multi-million dollar industry that is rooted in content developed around talking about football games and basketball games and baseball games and who is going to win and who is going to cover and by how much. And when, when content is required and when it's an obligation instead of something you just could do when you when you have to talk about this stuff 24 hours a day seven days a week like these are the narratives that people are going to grab onto because they're easy because we you know we need to fill hours we need to fill you know magazine pages and website clicks and blogs and all this stuff so part of the reason this stuff exists is because there's just a need for content and a need for long-form discussion about games sometimes it's really simple sometimes it's this team is favored by three they should be favored by seven that's why i'm betting it but that won't fill 20 hours that won't fill you know a thousand word blog post or whatever so you know again like on this show and on you better you bet like i try to kind of present like a very logical reasoned approach where we don't try to you know jump too far off the deep end in terms of like since 2014 like teams playing on tuesdays are 12 and 20 you know it's just if you're listening to this anytime someone tries to give you a trend like that I always ask them why they picked the starting point that they picked. And invariably, the answer will be because that's when it started winning. And if you go back further Mm -hmm. than that, it actually becomes this 50%, 50% coin flip trend that didn't end up meaning anything whatsoever. But they picked a point where they could actually sell you something that that was seemingly valuable and was actually not. Never mind the fact that throughout that entire subset that they give you, you had a different coach and you had completely different players on the field. But they don't bring that up. How about some local flavor? We've got Illinois favored by a touchdown against Eastern Michigan. Michigan, Northwestern minus 18 against UNLV up in Evanston, Northern Illinois, two touchdown dogs at Nebraska. Interested in any of those? Yeah, so Northwestern UNLV stands out to me a little bit. So uh, I believe the current market is Northwestern minus 18. I make the number pretty close to that. So there's not technically a numerical edge here, but teams switch college coaches all the time teams switch cultures all the time like you know it happens throughout college football one coach and culture that has stayed remarkably consistent is northwestern with pat fitzgerald and we have enough data on pat fitzgerald now that i always feel like his seasons tend to take a similar approach and this can be sort of like knocked as pattern recognition or whatever but northwestern is a team that not even seems to they always play much worse in non-conference than they do in conference play part of that might be they're a poorly recruited team so they might need time to sort of like gel and get roles correct because a lot of their achievements throughout the season are actually based on coaching and scheme and practice and early on in the season obviously you have not practiced as much as you will be in november and you see this play out all the time obviously there's occasional losses to mac teams basically there's 
a failure to cover in this situation, which would be sort of a non-conference home game that they're expected to win by a lot. This has been a horrible situation for Pat Fitzgerald all time, whether it's an FCS opponent, a MAC opponent, or obviously UNLV out of the Mountain West pretty much falls into a similar profile of a lot of these other teams they've played. These are always games where Northwestern tends to keep it way, way closer than they should. They usually end up winning the game, but especially with what we saw from Hunter Johnson, TJ Green after the season, there is no way I would be willing to lay this many points with Northwestern, a team with this type of profile, with quarterback play that was really subpar in week one. So, you know, call it a little bit more intuition than numbers or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I do kind of like UNLV in this situation. All right, Ken, I've got about 30 seconds. Anything else on the college card that you love? Sure. I'll I'll run through a couple other things real quick. So I really like Arizona plus two in the late night game. I think that's again, overreaction to what each team has done through two weeks. We have no idea what Texas tech is right now. Uh, Ohio state, Indiana, Big Ten game that might appeal to some people. I really like the over in that game, actually. That opened 57 and a half. It's been steamed up a little bit. In the low 60s, I really like that. I don't think either team is actually going to be able to stop the other team very much, which sounds crazy for the Buckeyes, but I think that's where we're at with them. We just don't realize it yet. So Ohio State, Indiana over. Uh, Arizona plus two late night. Uh, that would be a couple other of my favorite things. Well, thank you for giving us a late night because you know we need something late. Of course. (laughs) His name is Ken Barkley. You can hear him on You Better You Bet Monday through Fridays, 5 to 9 p.m. locally, radio.com sports. Listen on the radio.com app or via podcast. I do the show a couple times a week. Ken does it two to three times per week. A little bit of this is exactly what you get. And you should follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Lockie Lockerson, especially on Saturdays because he posts all of his picks there. Thank you, Ken. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. And if sports betting is your thing, I assume it is. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. I'll be doing You Better You Bet Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, live 5 to 9 p.m. on the Radio.com app or check out the podcast later on. Inside the Clubhouse is next with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. Best of luck, everyone. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.